Hello, Internet. Thank you for tuning in to Audio XP. I am your host, Cole Harmon, and there are a million things you could be listening to right now, but you chose this, and for that, I am thankful. Hey, so I have an incredible conversation for us to dive into today. I had the pleasure of interviewing Michael Cullen, one of the associate audio directors over at Zynga. We had a great time chatting about how to manage the delightful chaos that comes with mobile games, as well as what it's like to design horror short films on the side and the transition from linear media like film and music into interactive game audio. But before we dive into that, I wanted to tell you about today's featured composer. So if you're new to the show, uh, each episode, I like to feature the work of a different composer throughout the episode. So everything besides that intro theme there, which I compose, uh, is going to come to you from today's composer. And that is Hawken Davidson. So I met this guy on Discord. He's in Norway and he does excellent, excellent work for video games. Very melodic, nice orchestral stuff. I think you're really going to like it. So please do not hesitate to check out his website. I will put all the links in the description for you and all that good stuff. And so, uh, yeah, is there anything else? Oh, right. There was one more thing. If you like this show, if you've gotten any enjoyment from it at all whatsoever, just do me a favor and hit that like button, hit that share button. Actually, you know what? Let's break it a step further. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and just play it right off your phone speaker wherever you're at. And uh, you might be saying to yourself, well, I'm on the public train. I shouldn't do that. It's rude. But ask yourself, what's more rude? Playing my show really loud on a public train or withholding juicy, vital game audio information from the public. I am kidding, of course, but I would really appreciate you liking and sharing this and all of that stuff. So with all the business stuff out of the way, let's get on to my conversation with the great, the mighty Michael Cullen from Zynga. Michael, it's really good to have you on the phone, man. Um, I've been kind of following you for, I want to say, almost a year now. I first came across your work through that video that you put out about getting a job in game audio, and it was really impactful for me and helpful. So thank you for that. And then also, just as I started kind of diving into LinkedIn and stuff, I started seeing your face like everywhere because you're always commenting on people's posts with supportive comments and reaching out about job opportunities and stuff. And so I, I just started kind of looking at your profile and I was like, man, this guy's got so much experience. I would love to just sit him down and kind of talk with him about game audio. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I just try to do what I can and yeah, try to help the community when possible. Uh, but yeah, it's been great. Thank you. So uh, as I was kind of diving into your catalog, your profile and all that stuff, I saw that you got your start in film. And just from like all the stuff I found from your YouTube travel stuff to like your IMDb credits and stuff, you obviously really love film. So can you just talk a little bit about how you got into film and then maybe how 
you fell in love with the sound design aspects of film. Yeah, I did. I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know if you told me five years ago uh, this is what I would have been doing, um, that this is what I'm doing now. Um, but I love it. But you're right. Yeah, I mean, originally, um, I mean, even I've been doing audio since I was young. I mean, I used to be a performer. I used to do musical theaters and lyric operas. Um, and, you know, I love performing. Um, but I thought maybe that's not a full time career. And so um, I tried to find something within audio. I, um, I started a DJ company in high school and did that for a while. Um, and actually, uh, in school, one of my um, tech teachers used to work at Skywalker Sound. Ooh. And he said, oh, you know, this is a real career. You can be a re-recording mixer. You can be a sound designer on feature films. And I was like, wow, well, people love films and films make money. So that sounds like a real <laughs> career, right? Um, and so, yeah, I went to Chapman University in Orange County uh, for sound design, for film production and sound design. Um, and worked on a whole bunch of films, learned a lot about sound design, um, film production, and and loved it. And then went into the industry. I was in L.A. Um, doing internships around. Um, and yeah, it's a crazy lifestyle. I don't know if you know. <laughs> um, normally, when you're doing a film or uh, when you're sound designing a film, it's the last you know two months of work. And you're working all the time, seven days straight. Um, and I just couldn't uh, live with, with uh, I just couldn't handle the lifestyle. Um, and so one of my friends said, hey, you know, um, video games take actually two years to make. And um, you might get laid off at the end because that's normally the cycle of how it goes. Um, but you're only looking for a job every two years. And I said, that sounds like a great, great time. <laughs> um, it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And so, um, yeah, I essentially started from from zero, started learning Unity. Um, I started helping out at projects at UC Irvine and just building my way from there and and using my my connections from there. So, um, yeah, it's it's been a wild ride. And I, I've, <laughs> I don't I, you know, there was moments of doubt for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really lucky to, to made it where I, where I am today. That's funny that you mentioned that because I think, I don't know, man, I was just playing in a lot of bands and stuff and, you know, always making sounds and stuff. But I think I was like 26 years old when it dawned on me, like, wait a second, wait, hold on. They pay people to make sounds. Like, I guess I should have known that, but for some reason it clicked with me like, I want to do that. That sounds amazing. I want to know then as a film guy, is there any films that to this day just blow your mind or maybe anything recent that just like really hit you? Um, I really loved Gravity. Um, Gravity was the first film I saw in Atmos, uh, which really blew my mind. Um, I love Inception. I think that's a great film as well. Yeah, I guess it's hard when you go to film school that it's hard to, to sit back and just enjoy the film versus like, oh, wow, it's really interesting how they cleaned up that ADR. That's really interesting. How did they, you know, record that that shot? Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, but yes, those are those are probably my favorite films. Um, yeah, the mixing incredible sound design incredible. I think the biggest thing, too, um, is that at least in those films that the sound really helps tell the story. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of my biggest thing is that uh, any, you know, any video games or films or whatever, like the visuals tell you the story and then kind of the sound supports either how you feel about that. What mood are you trying to go for? Um, and that's, that's my biggest thing is like, how can we support and like help 
help tell the story better. Immerse. How do you immerse the either the player or the viewer um, in in this creation? Um, and that's really what you strive to do in, in anything, um, even if it's just button clicks and and gem sounds and stuff like that. Um, how are you helping tell the you know player um, better where they are, how they're doing, stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, I really love that, especially in video games. It's super important to reinforce choices, whether good or bad, um, immediately. And sound just works wonders for that kind of stuff. Well, cool. I actually have never seen Gravity, so looks like uh, looks like I'm out of touch, man. I need to get on it and uh, go watch that immediately. So I, I was a little curious, you know, I saw, let's see, you're doing all this film stuff, and then it looks like somewhere around 2015 to 2016 is where you started pivoting into games, and you like, I have, I think I saw a credit for you, like teaching a lecture. Could you talk a little more about the switch into video games and how that went for you? Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, like I said, I, um, <laughs> I, I, I lived, <laughs> I worked in Hollywood and said, wow, I, this is not for me. What am I going to do? I just spent four years trying to learn this craft, did it, and then said, no way. Um, so yeah, that was a big moment for me. I, was, I really stepped back and said, what am I going to do? Um, if you look at my resume, I actually uh, became a substitute teacher for a while. Um, tried, tried to make some money, pay some, pay some rent, like, pay the bills. <laughs> I'm just trying to picture you sitting at the front of the class. And you're like shouting Mr. Cullen and shooting spitballs at you. And you're like, I need something else, man. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That's, that's exactly right. I mean, so one day you're teaching kindergarten and the next time you're teaching seniors and it's, it's whatever, whatever they need. Um, but yeah, I luckily, you know, I started making some connections. I had some connections from the film school um, and saying, hey, you know, I can teach. Uh, once I started working in video games, I said, hey, I can kind of teach basic game audio um, to different video game students. Because um, normally they don't really think about it. It's the end of the process. And so, hey, this is I would teach them basic like Unity stuff, um, audio implementation. Um, and then from that started making more connections um, and then eventually got offered to teach an audio um, class. And so now I teach um, the spatial audio class at Chapman University. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was I don't know if this is what I intended. Um, I mean, as, as you probably see online, I have my whole um, YouTube channel, uh, Film Sound Tutorials, where I do teach a lot of stuff. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know, I, I really enjoy teaching. I really enjoy giving back. To me, it, it, I mean, at least the YouTube channel just started because I wanted, I wanted to give back the, the, the guy that I wish I had when I started film school. Um, and there really wasn't like that anything online or if there was, you had to pay three hundred dollars and from someone that maybe hadn't even been in the industry for 10 years. Right. Um, and so I didn't think that was cool or that was fair. And I, and, and I think we should support each other in this in this industry and because it's hard enough um, as it is. And so, yeah, um, I again, just lucky to meet people and lucky to, to make connections. And it, it worked out well from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for doing that because um, honestly, like I went from literally zero, zero tech background, zero audio background other than playing guitar to now I'm doing more or less full-time video game freelancing because wow. of people like you. So because I learned from YouTube and all, and all this stuff. So I have just 
so much respect and and thanks in my heart for people who take it upon themselves to actually like share these skills with people. It's pretty life changing, actually. So, well, thank yeah, can congrats, man. That's exactly what I was hoping for. I mean, that's exactly it. So when you were switching into game audio, um, what were some of the biggest adjustments that you had to make going from, you said you learned the craft in, in film, which is very linear. Um, and I think there's some overlap, but there's also some major differences. Can you talk about maybe some of the stumbling blocks along the way or some of the big like aha moments for how this craft is basically its own thing? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a great question. Um, exactly. So film is linear. Um, versus video <laughs> games are are um, you know the player can do whatever they want, and we have to be able to support that and make it seem as seamless as possible with all the various things they can do. Um, so for me, that was that was the issue was how do you mix something that's interactive? How do you um, ensure that the volume levels stay the same? How do you ensure that it, that um, you can support? the story without making it seem like a player did the wrong choice. Um, and actually I think the aha moment to me was, um, uh, as a sound designer, we work with every department. So we work with the art teams, we work engineering and actually working with, um, the UX designers and learning how they do their flows and saying, okay, if the player does this, that it should have the same kind of button every time. For example, if they click on the purchase button, it should have the same feel. It should have the same flow. And I said, well, yeah, it should probably have the same audio then. So they ingrain in themselves like, oh, at this moment, you know that you press the purchase button and you hear the purchase sound, you hear the cha-ching, and you know that you spent money. Um, or conversely, when you when you win a puzzle or you win you know a, a level in the game, that you hear this really fun fanfare and it's really exciting and you get this moment of, yes, I accomplished this. And so being able to kind of script those moments, I think, was the aha moment to me The saying, OK, I'm I'm building more than just it's not just um, it's li it's I guess it's linear moments in, in small chunks. Mm -hmm. And so then you're building kind of this recognition with the player to say, OK, yeah, I understand. I'm, I'm looking forward to this moment because I know what to expect. Um, so I think that was the big thing for me that for films, you don't have that. I mean, you're script scripting the moment, but it's the same thing every time versus in video games, because it is a repetitive cycle, there's this core loop that you play, uh, over and over again, that you can have those moments and then you can have the player look forward for that next moment, which kind of drives them to, to play the, the next level. Do you ever have anybody just like utterly break your game in sequence and you're like, shoot <laughs> i thought i thought of everything that was not something i saw coming <laughs> oh yeah absolutely um yeah i mean my most of my um video game career has been in mobile games mm -hmm. and so mobile games are more about live ops and just adding new features all the time and new events 
And so the complexity actually gets more difficult mm. the longer the game um, stays available because then you can the player can do 10 things when you only designed it to do one thing. <laughs> yeah. um, so absolutely. I mean, we, you know, uh, at least mixing wise, we use different limiters or different compressors to make sure that the volumes don't go haywire. Um, triggering audio in the right sequence is difficult. Um, or maybe you have like during loading screens, for example, you say, OK, at this moment, just kill all the audio, regardless of what's happening, because I don't know where we came from. But at least let's like start yeah. fresh here and then we can move on to our, our next next sequence. Um, so, yeah, those are, I guess, a couple ways that you can kind of manage the chaos. Unfortunately, there isn't really a set luff standard or loudness standard for for video games. Um, it's actually interesting the the most that you can find online is different sound designers writing articles, yes. like playing video games and say, oh, it looks like this this game was negative 16 lefts and this game was negative 20 lefts. So maybe we should shoot around there. <laughs> I read a book recently, um, Game Audio Mixing, and uh, it, it talked about. Yeah, there's basically not like a worldwide standard, which is so odd to me considering not only widespread the medium of games are, but just like how detailed they have to be. And uh, yeah, that there's not like a set standard, but you guys set that standard internally for each of your games or just treat each game differently. (laughs) I think I think it depends on the genre. Mm -hmm. I mean, in general, and it it also probably depends on what you're playing on. Um, I mean, mobile phones, I mean, in general, have have much smaller speakers and they don't have as good as preamps. So you probably want that to be louder um, than like console games. You're probably playing on uh, on the TV. So you have a better sound system so you can have more dynamic range. but yeah, I mean, it, it all depends on on the on the game, on the genre, what who's playing it, where they're playing it. Um, so yeah, it's kind of depends by the game. When I was looking through your your work, uh, I I saw the theme of uh, I would just say lighthearted was like one of the words that kind of came to me, and uh, even your show reels for when you were first starting in game audio, you know, kind of like those fun, just lighthearted, kind of joyful games and then even now on your linkedin you summarized your work at zynga as uh creating delightful moments and so is there something to that is that just kind of the work that's fallen in your lap or is there something we're like no i i really want to create delightful experiences yeah i guess that's a great question i mean yeah i grew up doing all the fun musical theater and the lighthearted stuff so i guess i've always been kind of drawn to that more lighthearted sound design um you know from from the beginning i like doing fun lighthearted stuff i think mobile games um kind of lend themselves to that um they're fun they're normally quick they're normally short play sessions and so normally the games are a little more lighthearted than than you know maybe uh, more in-depth console games um yeah so you're you're right (laughs) that's exactly what i've done i mean i guess in terms of the real two I was looking for that type of work. Mm -hmm. And so like, um, at least in my opinion, I think you should make like different reels depending on what type of work you want to do. Because now that I've been on kind of the hiring side for a couple different companies, that's what we're trying to look to see what we want to see that you actually know what, know what, 
how to do this genre. Mm -hmm. um, and I see a lot of real people send me a lot of reels and say, oh, what do you think of my reel? And I said, that's cool. But like, who's who's your target audience? Because mm -hmm. you could have all sorts of different stuff. And I was like, well, I don't know if you're great at this type of fighting game. Or, you know, can you how do I know that you're good for the game that I'm working on? Um, you know, so it's I guess it's something something to think about. Um, when you're making your reel or something to try to tailor it more to what you want to work on. Um, because that's what, that's what employers are looking for. They want to make sure that you know how to do audio for that, for that type of game. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Yeah. So what you're saying is I need to have an exclusively bass fishing reel <laughs> if I want to do like Sega bass fishing type games. It wouldn't hurt. It yeah. wouldn't hurt. Or at least something that's in the similar vein. Um, but yeah, I mean, because as you know, sound design and music is all sorts of different genres and tones. And so we want to know that you can do do the right genre and tone for for this game. And, you know, if, and if you work at a large company, I mean, inevitably, you will work on multiple types of games. And that's kind of up to the company to decide what, what you work on. Um, but originally, when you're trying to get hired, there is a job that you are looking to get to fill. There's a position that you're looking to fill. And so you want to make it as obvious as possible that you are the right person mm. for for this job. And so, yeah, that's generally what I recommend is saying, hey, you need to make a reel that is just for this type type of game um and yeah and have multiple reels and they can be really short they can be a minute a minute and a half just a couple examples um but yeah i i think that's in the long run i know there's varying opinions on reels and, and stuff like that um but it, in when we're looking for people when i've looked at different resumes that's what we're looking for we're just trying to answer the question would you be the right person for this exact role and i think it's easy to show that when you tailor tail tailor your reel towards that yeah, that's a really good point. You hear that? All you sound designers out there looking for a job. <laughs> Michael wants to see your bass fishing reel. Send it directly to his inbox. When I look at a game, like the kind of stuff that you work on, there's so much stuff happening all the time. Just and like, but it never, it, um, but it sounds satisfying. It doesn't sound annoying. And I, I've definitely played mobile games where it's super annoying. Um, I won't drop names because I don't want to burn any bridges, but, but I think the work you guys do is really good stuff. And so can you talk about how you manage like a thousand things happening? Um, and obviously it's all kind of supposed to grab your attention. So how do you, how do you find that balance of like attention grabbing lots of different things happening and yet satisfying and not annoying? That's yeah, that's a great question. It's something we struggle with daily. I mean, on any type of mobile game I've worked on. Um, one, just being able to play so many sounds because there's various like technical limitations. 
Um, when I started doing video games, we were working, I think our spec device was an iPhone 5, <laughs> which just had like very low CPU and low C- RAM. And so like when you're trying to compress and decompress stuff, um, it was really hard. So, I mean, there's a limitation there that there's only so many sounds this device can play in the first place, which maybe will help. Um, so that's one thing. Yeah, you have a technical limitation of how many sounds you can play. And then, too, you're right. If you play too many sounds, then it's just noise and it's just chaos. And the player doesn't really know what to focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I was reading some kind of article that was saying people can really only distinguish like eight individual sounds at a time. And once it becomes more than that, it just kind of gets overwhelming. And so that's kind of what I th- I'm thinking about when we're mixing is like, OK, what are the most like eight important sounds and how can we make those stand out? Um, and so that could be based on like sequencing of sounds to say, OK, this sound plays here and then this moment happens and then this moment happens. And we could be talking about like, you know, single frames, but at least they all have their own start time. So you can kind of hear that peak. Yeah. And then you're mixing it that way. Um, and then, yeah, just trying not to overload the player. Um, again, talking about having like similar sounds for similar moments, I think helps. So then you kind of know what's coming on. Um, but yeah, all the above, it's, it's a challenge that we face. I mean, on any kind of mobile game I've worked on is you want to make it as exciting as possible, but if it's so exciting, there's no, there's no range. And so you do have to build in those low quiet moments to make the higher moments more exciting and more impactful. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. And then the other thing to think about balancing, I imagine, is like you have pretty famous IPs like Harry Potter and um, I think you showed me a Willy Wonka one. And so in a lot of ways, I'm sure the music is pretty important to like reinforcing that world and that experience. Celebrating the world of Harry Potter. So you've also got to like worry about the music going on. So I'm curious, especially with mobile games, how do you coordinate with your music people with all these tonal sounds that you have, especially with something like Harry Potter, where it's like spells and chimes and just a lot of musically kind of sounds. How do you coordinate that kind of stuff? Yeah, you're you're exactly right. I mean, in general, I mean, if you so if you're making original music, then normally you'll just pick a key and say, okay, we're going to do it in C. And there we go. It's all in C and it's pretty easy. I know some people kind of scoff at that. They said, oh, wow, that's so boring. But really, when you have 100 different music tracks, you can build diversity in other ways. You can mm-hmm. use different time signatures. You can use maybe use the relative minor or whatever. Um, yes. So there there is ways to do that. But I think you do have to standardize at some point and say, OK, this is what we're doing, because then for example, for all your fanfares example, then you need your fanfares to be in the same key right. um, as whatever music you're working on. Um, so, I mean, if, if it does change in key, then what I've done instead is saying, okay, let's not have as tonal, let's use more non-tonal sound effects. Let's use more wishes. Let's use more um, like jingles or maybe chimes, but mm-hmm. not as to- not like bell tree, maybe um, things that are more shimmery, maybe. Um, so it's harder to tell what the tone is. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was, that's an active choice that you can make, um, to say, I don't want to create clashes in this game. And I have to think about that because I don't know where the player is going and I don't know what music they're, you know, is going to have to play next in the sequence. And so that's, that's one way you can do it. Either you can standardize it around a key or you can decide to have the sound design be less tonal, um, 
but you're, yeah, you're again, you're absolutely right that it, that it's something that we we have a challenge on on, on different games. And, and, and there's, I mean, I've used some cool programs. Um, have you have you used Elias before? I mean, I've heard of it. I have not messed with it myself. And Elias is cool. That's um, it's made essentially for composers to be able to make kind of interactive music and then be able to change keys and then be able to only play certain fanfares at certain times. Mm -hmm. So the fanfare is always in the right key. Um, It's cool. Um, I don't know if it's necessary for every type of game. Um, It also depends on like how long the player is in that in that part of the game. I mean, sure, you can make this really cool interactive music, but if they're only going to be there for 15 seconds, like, does it really matter? And you're also worried about space, too, right? Uh, I mean, on these mobile phones, (laughs) uh, you don't want to make that initial download too too big. Um, Of course, then you have to kind of DLC content as you hit different chapters, right? So you need to download new audio um, over the Internet, and maybe people's Internet isn't that great as well. Um, so there's a trade-off. There has to be a trade-off being made between like how much diversity you have, um, how much, yeah, new fresh audio do you want versus how much audio you want to build again, these like sonic moments that they remember. So it, it's a trade-off that we're, we're constantly thinking of. So I saw uh, that you recently got promoted. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So I'm now an associate audio director, uh, which means that I've moved from the individual contributor track, which is IC track, which means uh, you just handle yourself. And now I actually start managing people, uh, which has been a a big change Um, because now I'm not just helping games. I'm helping other people work on games. Um, which is just a different, different experience. I mean, we have fantastic sound designers and, you know, I, they should be able to do whatever they want. And essentially my job is to help them follow whatever path they want to go. And so if there's any kind of issues that, that can come up with more paperwork stuff or licensing or contracts, then that's kind of more of my job, the kind of behind the scenes. So then the sound designer can do the fun stuff and actually create and, and make new sounds and implement them into the game. Um, so maybe it's a less, it's a more thinkless job. Um, and maybe you're not in, in the limelight as much, but yeah, I, I love planning. I love, um, yeah, making sure that people can do their best work again. I mean, going back to the teaching stuff. And so, yeah, it's, it's been a nice transition. Again, we have, we have a fantastic team. Um, so they need very little assistance to be honest. Um, but yeah, it, it has been interesting. Um, yeah, moving into more managerial role. When you think back on your video, like how to get a job in the game industry, do you have any like extra level insight maybe that you are just kind of recently acquiring? Like, man, I wish, I wish I would have known that uh, from that point of view. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first off, I think, uh, people have to realize you're not going to know everything, you're, so don't worry about it. People always worry. Oh, I don't know mod. I don't know Unity. I don't know Unreal. That that's okay. You will be you will be taught stuff on the job. 
Um, uh, the thing that you need to know is audio basics, how to make audio, put audio together. Um, ear training is really important. Like what sounds good. Mm. Um, I'm a big fan of, of just playing other games, doing research and like almost doing like a dissertation on like, okay, interesting. They played this song and then they played this song and here's how they ordered those, those different music tracks. And here's what keys they're in. And why did they do that? You know? So like, and then that's that, I mean, to me, that's how you kind of learn is, you know, look to see what everyone else does and then kind of steal it. Right. I mean, that's, that's (laughs) been art since the, the dawn of time. So that's, I think that's the first thing I think, uh, uh, you know, uh, sound designers that are just starting out uh, really have a lot of anxiety on like, oh, I don't know everything. And that's OK. I think it's fine. You will be taught and and, you're, and that's how you grow. Right. I mean, and you will grow uh, within the company. Um, another thing I want to bring up and that I see a lot is that um, oh, it's uh, there's a lot time. of it's beef time. <laughs> no, it's I not, no. Like a sound effect. That's like, well, I guess it you need the ear cow. horn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But um, I guess another thing I want to bring up is that um, a lot of people will, you know, submit a whole bunch of applications. I mean, I was there. I submitted over 300 applications, I think, before I even got a full time job. Um, And that's how it goes. Um, But you have to realize that when you get rejected, it's not necessarily because of you or Mm. who you are or what you've submitted. Uh, there's a million of other reasons um, why you got rejected that has not nothing to do with you. Mm. Um, it might be because, you know, um, they already know who they want to hire for the job and they had to open up the job rep so the person could apply for it and goes through their system. I've seen that at multiple companies that say, OK, we already know we want this person. We'll hire them. It's done. But of course, everyone else, 100 other people are applying for this job that it really was never theirs to begin with. Mm. Um, so that's kind of sad, but that's, that's how it goes. Um, I've also seen, um, sometimes job recs open up and they say, oh, you can be from anywhere. And especially now after COVID, um, remote work is only becoming, you know, more and more accepted and more widely common. Um, but maybe for this exact project or this exact game, the majority of people are in this one office. And so in the end, they're probably going to pick someone that's near that office because it's going to work better with their team. And that, again, has nothing to do with you. Um, But that's just that's just how it goes. And so I just want to bring that up that I've seen this a lot of times that don't don't despair. Don't get discouraged. Um, That's just kind of part of the game. Um, And then I guess the last thing, too, is I, I know everyone says this, but like all of my real full time jobs have been through connections and meeting people. And I'm not saying I'm the most, (laughs) the most, uh, you know, I didn't go to all these different socials. I didn't go to all these different conventions, Um, but you need is one job. And so luckily I was able to find enough people that would recommend me for different jobs to eventually get my full-time job. Yeah. Um, And that came from being laid off at certain places like that. You know, I had I got laid off at one place and said, hey, let me try to meet these other people. You know, so like, yeah, again, like I said from the beginning, I don't think the, the path to this point was not straight at all. And it had so many ups and downs that I had no idea this is this is what was going to happen. Um, but yeah, you have to put yourself out there. You have to meet people. Um do something that gets yourself noticed. Uh, I mean, the YouTube channel definitely helped me. I mean, and it actually helped me get jobs because um, once I made the YouTube channel, 
I would, you know, I was a, I was a beginning sound designer and people would say, well, how do we know that you can handle this new game? It's coming out in two months. How do we know that you can handle this? I'm like, well, you can watch six hours of tutorials on how I do my process. If you're really concerned that I know what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, I, I've seen people, you know, I think I'm glad it's awesome that you're doing this podcast and, you know, I, I think that's what you got to do is put yourself out there and, yeah, and just meet people and yeah, because I, <laughs> you you can be the best sound designer in the world, but if you don't know anyone, then no one's going to know to hire you, and that's just kind of how it is. It's actually <sighs> really encouraging to hear you say that though about the you know the rejections not initially having anything to do with you. I'm telling you, man, I put up my emotional brick wall, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to open this email. Doesn't matter. But then, you know, I read it, it's like, ah, yeah, it kind of stings a little, right? So it actually is really encouraging to hear you say that. And I, I'm, I know that people listening to this are in the same boat. So thank you for sharing that. I obviously, I made this podcast because I'm extremely passionate about sound design, but also because the content creator to uh, job holder pipeline seems to be a real thing. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's awesome. You're still doing freelancing stuff, correct? You're able to do that with Zynga. Okay. So are there any dream projects as far as like films or types of games? Like, do you have all this desire pent up to just do a horrific like survival horror game or something? So ironically, um, yes, I do work on freelance short films at night. Um, I love them. I I actually have an in with the director that only does like horror films. Okay. Um, and so I actually do get my my fix of horror sound effects. And it's he makes one one Michael Rich. He makes um, these awesome films once a year, and I'm lucky enough to be able to sound design them. And um, yeah, so it's it's really fun. Um, I guess that's my creative outlet um, to try new different genres, try different stuff. Um, I love working on the documentaries, too, because I learn a lot of stuff about just the world in general. And it's it's a lot of fun and go to different locales and try different ambiences and different sound effects and, and stuff like that. So that is my my outlet. Um, yes, part of my contract is that I can't work on other video games. And so that's why I'm working on on short films. Um, but yeah, I mean, my favorite game of all time is is Assassin's Creed. Um, again, because I love exploring places. I love the history. Um, so, yeah, I guess if that was any type of game I would want to work on, probably Assassin's Creed. Um, but I, 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 you know, I I've been really lucky on the games that I've been able to work on, too. So I'm, I'm not looking to go anywhere else. I'm, I'm curious. Um, I'm going to look up some of these short films. That sounds really fun. <laughs> So I also know like from your YouTube and stuff that you love to travel. Um, can you tell me like maybe what's a couple of your favorite places that you've been? Oh, man. Um, I think my favorite place at the moment is Singapore. Um, I went there for the um, F1 race um, a few years ago. Got and of course the recorder, right? Of course, brought the <laughs> recorder. Um, sell it on Pond Five if you're if you're looking. Um, but yeah, I I do. I love I love traveling. I love seeing new cultures. 
Um, I really love languages. Um, I speak three different languages. I'm trying to learn uh, Turkish right now um, for my trip next year. Um, yeah, and then yeah, just the sounds and the sounds that you hear, right? I mean, it's really interesting, especially when you go back and um, listen to those recordings and hear things that you didn't really pay attention to um, in the moment. You're like, wow, that was really different than my normal everyday suburban life. Um, so yes, I, I love traveling. I would, yeah, I would love to go back to Singapore. Um, I'm going to Austin in a couple of weeks for the next F1 race. So I'll get, got to get a couple of new sounds for that. Um, and probably get some barbecue too. Um, yeah, right but, <laughs> but yeah, I, I do love traveling. Um, I've been lucky enough to be able to travel and it's helped. I mean, to be honest, when, when uh, I was working on a dock, uh, for Thailand, I had, I remember what Thailand's, I remember how overbearing the cicadas were. I remember, you know, how the heat felt and the humidity and the rain in the afternoon. And so be able to kind of have that again, you're as a sound designer, your job is to set the mood of this story. And if you can be able, you know, travel is very expensive. So I, it, again, really lucky that I've been able to go, but yeah, if you're able to do it to get out and just, see the world, I think it will make you a better sound designer versus like looking at all the different libraries and spending more time in front of the computer. More and more, I'm trying to spend away time away from the computer to just see the real world. And that kind of inspires me to come back and, and make whatever we're working on. What is the craziest thing that you've eaten? Um, I think uh, snake jerky. <laughs> uh, snake jerky. Uh, was probably the craziest thing and landed me in bed for, I think, three days afterwards. <laughs> Not that I remember it much, but I do remember being in bed. Um, that's probably the craziest thing. <laughs> what did they like forget to get all the venom out or something? Like, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Good tip to keep in mind. Travel the world. It'll make you a better sound designer, but don't eat the snake jerky. Are there any games that you're playing right now that you're just absolutely loving? Um, I'm replaying um, Assassin's Creed Black Flag because <laughs> I love that game. Um, and it's probably I, I mean, I've played them all now, but it was the first time that actually like all their systems came together to be like a cohesive game. Like you could swim underwater and you go on top of the mountains. And yeah, and, and the sea shanties are fantastic. Um, I don't know if you've listened to those. There's there's plenty of playlists on YouTube and those are just fun to, to work with. Sometimes you can just have those in the background as you're, you're writing emails and stuff like that. Um, so that, yeah, I'm replaying that just just for fun. Um, I think one of my favorite games recently was Stray, which was the um, yeah. the cat version of Assassin's Creed um, as and and that's a short game, but that was so beautiful. Um, I had after, after I played it, I found the, the composer and the sound designer on LinkedIn. I was like, man, I, you guys did an amazing job. <laughs> I was, I was so moved by that. And my heart was pumping as you're getting chased as a, as a cat. Um, highly re recommend if you haven't played Stray, um, check it out. It's a short game. Um, I don't have much time in the evenings, you know, anymore, unfortunately to play that many video games. Um, and yeah, Stray was like six hours and it was, it was beautiful. Played it one night and I, I loved it. It reminds me of the meme of the guy with the sweaty brow and he's got the two buttons and one's <laughs> like make games, play games. It's true. But I've, I, when I play video games again, I'm, I'm playing these games. I was like, that was so smart. Like why I need to do this in my game. Sure enough, the next day I'm like, yes, we're adding that. That, that was a great idea. Um, because it was some sound that again, either help tell the story, help 
the player understand where they were in the world or how they're doing, or was kind of like something that you could only do with sound. Um, for example, I, I, I'd love in the Assassin's Creed, I think they stopped doing it in the newer ones. They stopped doing it, but like anytime there was a treasure around, you would kind of hear this, uh, kind of sparkly sound. Mm. And does that make any sense in real life? No, it doesn't make any sense that a, a treasure chest behind this wall is making a sparkly sound. But as a player, you're like, wow, okay, I need to, I know I need to go and look for this treasure chest. And you only know that because of the sound. Um, and so, yeah, moments like that is when I things that I'm trying to look for to add add to my games. That's a that's a really interesting touch. It's almost like if you just think about that on paper, it's almost maybe a little too whimsical for like a triple A <laughs> game, right? But there, I love I do love the kind of uh, stuff that video games, specifically as a medium, affords you to be able to to just do stuff like that to draw on kind of like the the history of video games and the types of sounds treasure would only make in that virtual world. But that's, that's a really nice touch. Yeah. And, and it's an issue I have. I mean, um, because I came from the film world, my sound design, as I've learned is very realistic. Okay. And so if I see, if I see a footstep on a certain surface, you're making that footstep for that surface. And that's something I think with video games and, and I've been trying to do more of as a, been working in video games is to have more whimsical more kind of tonal as as you kind of say um sound effects because you can do that you can get away with that in video games where you can't get away with that as much in in film do you have any fun examples uh where you like played something and it inspired you and you thought okay i'm gonna i'm gonna level up my sound design here's something i'm gonna intentionally make a little more I don't know if silly is the right word, but whimsical or musical. Is there anything you can think of? Yeah. So based off of that, that chest, um, I made our whole kind of um, collection sequence. Like whenever you earn coins, much more whimsical, much more shiny, much more exciting, much more gold coins because of that. And I said, yeah, that's what we should be doing, because that makes you feel like you really earn this moment. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing that I, I really remember doing. <laughs> now the real question is, is it going to leak into your horror short films? <laughs> the monsters around, it's like, oh, it's all sparkly for some reason. actually completely forget the icebreaker because I was just so excited to talk. At the beginning of my episodes, I like to play this game uh, with my guests who are sound designers. To uh, Basically, I've prepared a sound and you've prepared a sound. And we're going to listen to each other's sounds and then see if we can deconstruct and guess how the sound was made. Now, I want you to know before you listen that I did select this sound just for you. Okay. Wow. The, the pressure's on. <laughs> All right. Okay, so this is a very tonal sound. Um, it sounds up. Well, the the file name says pickup, so I assume that it's you're picking some uh, something up in the game. Um, it reminds me kind of of glass, um, which would be kind of like a gem sound, I would think. Let me play it again. 
Now, what I also actually really like about the sound is that so you have the initial kind of glass hit and then you have this kind of rising synth sound, I guess you could say. And it actually works well because if it's a pickup sound, you would manually or physically grab this tonal thing and then kind of pick it up <laughs> into your inventory or into your backpack or something like that. Um, so I want to say, obviously, this is multiple layers. I think there's some kind of cling, maybe glass sound. It could be a synthesizer. I could also see it just being a bell. And then the riser is some kind of maybe even like a, an older style um, synth, I would say. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what style. And then what's actually kind of interesting with this, too, is that it goes. It seems really mono. And then it turns into a more stereo um, kind of ping pong delay sound, which is interesting because, again, it, I guess it would depend on the visuals. If if you're collecting this and then it kind of flies at you at the screen, that would make a lot of sense because it would go from this kind of point in the, on the screen then into this kind of stereo like it takes up the whole screen. Yeah. So I would say there's at least the beginning hint, which is a kind of glass sound. There's some kind of like synthesizer rise and then there's some kind of like ping pong reverb effect. And I think that's probably how you made this out. <laughs> well, that's why you're in the uh, fancy glass office, my friend, because that's pretty dead on. No. Um, so, yeah, you're actually exactly right um, as far as the spread, because it's uh, part of, for my demo reel, I did a, a piece, a uh, redesign of Spyro the Dragon. So he's picking, oh. up, he's picking up the gems and he's running into it and the magic kind of, like you pick up the gem and then the magic kind of spreads around you. And I don't know, maybe it's a little too heavy handed in the spread, but I thought it would be kind of fun to have it feel like it was, you know, you're kind of running through this little magic cloud of sparkles, right? Um, I really like that. Wow, that's awesome. But the, the, uh, the sound itself, um, it isn't glass. It's actually, I found this really cool website. Maybe you've heard of it. I think it, oh, shoot. I can't remember the name off the tip of my tongue, but it's, it's basically this husband and wife team. They travel the world and they release, seriously, I want to oh, say a new Marcel? Yes. Is it Marcel yes. and Free Sounds? Yeah, yes. he's awesome. Yes, yes. So he has one where he was messing around with chimes and I really liked it because it, you know, it wasn't just chimes like, uh, like you'd play on a drums. He was just kind of clinking them around in different interesting ways. So that initial hit, I just kind of find found a nice rhythmic, like tick, tick, like a glassy sound, like you said. Then I did more straightforward chimes, um, but I put a little reverb on there and a frequency shifter. And so that's how I was getting the riser because um, it does that. It's And you said an old synth and I can see why you would say that because I think when you do that kind of thing, it instantly gives it a, like a slight bit of like that classic anime sound almost like shoosh, um, for the ping pongy stuff. I believe I just kind of um, like printed the glass hit with a bunch of reverb and then did a separate layer where I was playing around with that stuff. So yeah. That's awesome. Good ear though. So <laughs> that's that's fantastic. So my only concern about this sound okay. um is because it's tonal, if you hear it multiple, multiple, multiple times, it might get annoying. Mm -hmm. Um so especially if it's a runner game and you hear cling 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 cling, especially if they went on top 
each other, it could become too much. Yeah. And so it might be either too loud or too tonal for how many times it's playing. You'd have to, you, you can't like, you have to design the sound, you put it in the game and then you see what, see if it actually works. Yeah. Um, so that would be my only other concern. Another thing again, against again, again, uh, <laughs> I'm so I'm very biased on tonal sounds because I, I started off in film, but, um, what I would to to try to help it not become too repetitive is I would probably add some kind of pitch randomization onto it. And if you added pitch randomization onto this, the tonal would not start because then it would be get all over the place. And that probably wouldn't be that good as well. So that would that's my only critique. It's not a critique about the sound because I like the sound a lot. It's more on how would the sound work in game with all the implementation yeah. after playing for five hours worth, is it too much? Um, but yeah, again, like that it's, I, I love the sound um, by itself. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, I did in the real, um, I made several variations to keep it sounding fresh, but I totally see your point. So that, yeah, that's definitely something I would consider. And maybe to make it less tonal, I would use uh maybe actually use glass clinking or something like that. Cause it's a little bit less like harmonic sounding or, or even, you know, you add five variations, but only two of them have the riser mm, and the rest yeah, only yeah. have the beginning clink. So then the riser comes in and, and if they're going in fast succession, you'll hear that riser, but then, but when it's just a single, I think that would probably help that's, you out. Yeah. Um, just, just another tip. <laughs> no, no, that's really good advice. Yeah, that's great. It is kind of interesting because the visual, every single time he touches it, it does like a little swirl around him and then it blink updates the UI. So it is one of those things where, like you said, you know, you have a background in film and it's a little more literal. It's like, but the visuals are doing that. You know what I mean? But, but that may not actually be best, especially like you said, after the 500th time. So yeah, exactly. And it could be again. uh, Yeah. You have to figure out um, when you're doing audio implementation, it's about like that priority spectrum of zero to 255, depending, I guess, depending on what uh, game engine you're in. Um, but yeah, you have to figure out like, okay, this is important, but how, depending on how many times I've hear this, do I really need to hear the swoosh up? Do I need to hear the UI on the top? Or is it just okay to have the one clink and move on? And we'll save those bigger moments for, for the actual winning of this level or something like, like that. And that's another way that you could probably build up like dynamic range is by um, the complexity of the sound effects. So maybe you save your more complex sounds for the bigger moments and the the more simple sounds for those um, those moments that happen all the time. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Well, that was a very accurate assessment, but now it's time to flip the tables around. Let's see what I can come up with here. I'm going to listen to your sound. First time here. All right, so that that first angry set of growls it almost sounds to me a little bit like a like a I have these metal chairs in my garage, and when I shove them really hard, it actually does kind of sound a lot like that. I feel like I can hear some kind of human 
growls in there, but I wonder if it's layered with some sort of like aggressive chair or drawer or something like that. But the one that I'm a little bit more fuzzy on is the second one because I I definitely hear some human voice in there. I listen to a lot of creature noises and that guttural rhythmic kind of sound underneath the bassy sound is so good and rich that I I either wonder if you blended it with an actual like creature sound or if you just somehow did something really cool with your voice <laughs> pitched way down to make that it's it's that um kind of noise but I don't know. I'd love to hear how you did it because whenever I try to use my voice to do that type of thing, I can't quite get the rhythm right. So, love what how am I close? Yeah, you're you're very close. So, uh to give you some more context, this is from one of the horror films. Um this is a alien monster. Okay. Um who uh yeah, who makes various different noises and actually kind of more as the film goes on. <laughs> and so the, the, the mouth kind of gets more deformed as the mouth, as the film goes on. So the sound design kind of, and the vocal design has to change um, because of that. Um, but you're right. This is the, the vast majority of this is actually my voice. Okay. Um, so this is my voice. Um, what I try to do to make something more full bodied is at least have like three different pitches. So like high, medium and low. Um, so I did, pitch my voice into kind of an octave almost. Um, and then I ran half of it through um, the Krotos dehumanizer um, simple monsters. Okay, so actually, you know what? I almost brought that plugin up because I it, it has that quality, but I was like, no, nah, that's, if I say that, that'd be too obvious, you know? But no, that's really good. Okay, sounds good. So you're right. So absolutely, yes, this is the majority of my voice. There is some metal scraping because in this scene, he is kind of scraping along kind of this like uh, garage door almost. So it's kind of that as well. Um, and then there is on the final one, um, it is me kind of doing a guttural like uh, sound. Um, and then I also I pitched that down. Um, I put some R bass on it. Uh, the waves uh, resonant uh, Renaissance bass to give it a little more oomph. Um, and then I also think I put a probably a gorilla sound on there as well. Okay. Um, okay. So there's so yeah. So there's a little more bass for you as well. I'd l- um, I was gonna say if that is just your voice for that like deep guttural like rhythmic tone, I want to hear a demonstration. <laughs> <laughs> so, I love I love trying to put my voice in anything that that I work on. And so this and and to be honest, um, I guess another tip like sometimes that's the fastest way to way to do stuff. I have I know some sound designers that spend hours looking into a sound library and I was like, you could have just recorded that yourself. Yeah. Um, a lot of times. Yeah, I get, you know, if I can't find a sound within 15 minutes or something, I'm getting out the recorder. and I'm just going to record it because that's that's the better way to go. It's going to be unique. You're going to get what you want. The timing is going to work out perfectly so that you don't have to edit it in, in the back end. Um, yeah, so a little bit different than your sound. Um, but yeah, I did want to show off that plugin. Um, I don't, I, I'm not a gearhead. I try not to buy plugins, but this, this was a perfect, uh, moment. And, uh, I try to buy plugins when I know I'll use a specific like project. And so once I got this project and I saw that monster, I said, man, well, I can't get the big one. I can't get the full size dehumanizer, but I could get this, the small one. So I, I let myself splurge on that. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, and, and I, I love I love their products and stuff like that. And yeah, it was a good use case. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to show that 90% of this was just my voice, some editing techniques and and the plugin. So two quick questions. You said there was kind of a scraping thing happening on the screen. So I wasn't quite clear. Did you actually layer in the sound of something scraping? Okay. Yeah, there's some kind of like metal kind of scrape too to to add some like okay. mid frequency okay. to that. Because again, yeah, I'm trying to, I mean, this is, and what's actually kind of interesting about this is I've learned this more of a Hollywood style sound design. Hollywood style sound design is to try to make everything as big, as bold, <laughs> yeah. as possible all the time, which not isn't necessarily the best thing. Right. Um, and so that's kind of what I was told. That's what I normally do. Um, this was an American filmmaker, so that's what he also expected. Um, yeah. So because of that, I was kind of looking at it and listening to this. Eh, it kind of, seems kind of weak. I don't know. It's probably 800 hertz or wherever it was. Uh, and said, okay, let me see if I can add something in, t- in there as well. You're like, I added samples from 15 tornadoes, 16 bullet trains. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, the, I, oh man, I, well, that's also probably a common uh, beginner mistake is you add like 10 sounds right. and all of a sudden, again, it's, it's too much. I mean, and I even, even, even to this day, you, when I, you're trying to work something, you're trying to make it as big as possible. Uh, you know, I'll put in 10 sounds and come back the next day and say, there's no way I can't even once I've gained half of these and mixed half of it, you can't hear them. So might as well just pare down to like this was, uh, yeah, like three or four, three or four clips. And that's it. Um, I think when I, I went to the session earlier, 10 originally, and you could see everything that I muted to to get to this, uh, get to this moment. Yeah. So the other question was when you said you did the technique of using different layers of of your voice, but just in different registers, um, are you using the same clip and then just pitching it? Or are you actually aiming to do different takes uh, for each like frequency zone? Aiming to do different takes. I think that works better. I mean, pitch. It is funny how pitch software out, out of all these different plugins we still have so much issue repitching, repitching sounds. I mean, Serato pitching time is still probably the best one, um, but it's 800 bucks, I think. And I, I I've never spent the money for that. Um, but yeah, so instead, yeah, I will. I mean, I uh, in a in a prior life, I um, I got a minor in opera singing. And so uh, <laughs> I, I can do a, a wide range. And so that's that's what I try to do. And um, and then just redoing clips. It's, it's going to sound better. Um, you're not going to have any like phase issues, which could be an issue if you like duplicate clips multiple times. Right, yeah, um, that's kind of more of like a music like recording technique than anything else of like overdubbing a lot of different stuff. Um, so, no, that's three different clips that I intentionally said, OK, I want to do something higher for this, maybe more like. Uh, lizardish more like and then try to do more uh embody a gorilla mm. on on the on the low take yeah 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 so did they teach you lizard <laughs> vocals in opera school <laughs> I, think, I think that was on my own <laughs>
said you're not much of a gearhead, but I, w- I would love to know what are some of your absolute have to have must use plugins? Must use plugins? I don't have that many plugins, to be honest. Um, I, um, I love the isotope stuff. Um, I'll admit, though, there's some new competitors in in noise canceling and, and the vocal of like the Goya that I saw that came out. And I was going to ask you because you did a shootout um, like last year or something and the Goya just came out and I really like it. So I was curious what you thought. Yeah. the well, And then, yes, yeah, so you're right. I did a shootout on um, the RX versus like Waves Clarity um, and, and a couple other stuff. Yeah, I it, they're changing all the time. Um, that might be, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think, um, to be honest, a lot of the times if, if we're just doing something quickly, I'll just use the stock plugins. Um, it, it depends on the game. Um, we do, if it's IP, maybe you need to clean up the voices cause maybe they recorded at a different time or, you know, maybe they're 20 years old. So you have to clean them up. Mm. Um, so that's something I I've used RX a lot to do that. Um, yeah, otherwise, uh, yeah, I have the Waves plugins, um, the Renaissance, but those are pretty old and I wouldn't say they're the best. Um, I like the Pro-Q, uh, EQ, that's pretty nice. But I, I do want to hesitate to say that I feel like a lot of beginner sound designers go out there and buy all these plugins and say, okay, I need these plugins to be able to do the job. And that's just, that's just not true. I mean, if it's more about I much rather you just pay attention on like your ear training to be able to distinguish like what is good sound, what is bad sound, what um, what sound works for each genre. So just putting in the time of like you don't even have to play the games. There's so many playthroughs on YouTube now that you can just kind of watch them and say, oh, yeah, you know, okay, I like how they did this. I liked how they did that. Um so unfortunately, I don't have that many plugins. I mean, fortunately, <laughs> uh, I, I guess I've tried to save my. So I only I only buy plugins um, if I know there's a use case in this project that I'm going to use it for and it makes sense. Um, and yeah, so plugins, I, I I just reach for the stock ones. I know them. I know how to use them well, and I know what they can and can't do, which is pr- half the battle. Because mm-hmm. every time you find a new plugin, you say, okay, I need to figure out the limits of this. And I just I just haven't spent the time. And there are plenty of sound designers that are much better at sound design uh, than me because they have spent the time and they know how to make all these certain sounds. Um, and I just I haven't been able to do that. Um, and so, yeah, and then I same would go with gear. I mean, I think people should have some good headphones. Um, you probably need some kind of, you know, simple uh, mobile recorder. Um, hopefully get a nice like condenser mic because you'll need that eventually and some kind of like, um, you know, interface. Um, I have the audience interface, which I really like. Um, but besides that, I mean, if you just have that, you can do sound design anywhere. Um, you don't need to invest in all this gear. You don't need to, um, yeah, put all this money. I say get the jobs, you know, work yourself way up and then you can start investing when, when the time comes. Um, but yeah, I much rather you spend the time actually making audio and there's so many things that you can do for free. There's so many awesome sound, um, like libraries now that people release for free, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, that's fairly new just in the past. Yeah. Since 
10 years, really, that that's been. And so the barrier of entry is so much easier now. I mean, even um, um, I'm recommending people just to like uh, use Soundly for $15 a month and be like, I'm not an affiliate. But I say, if you need a sound library, you know, just pay the $15 and you can have everything you need. And that's a better investment than trying to figure out which sound sound library you need and stuff like that. Um, and so, yes, I think this is the best time to get in, get into the audio industries because the, the friction is so much lower than it used to be. There's so many free tutorials online. There's so much free, um, advice online. There's, I mean, it's amazing how much, how much people can find, um, now. So yes, you should have plugins, you should have gear, but I would just be wary of, of buying the hype because these manufacturers need to make the hype to keep making money every single year. And I'll admit, sometimes it's it's not warranted, you know, and it's, it's not needed for whatever you're working on. I just I just feel bad. I just feel bad that there's certain, um, and I hear this from beginner sound designers, that there's certain um, things that they feel they need to invest in to, to get a job to this, and it's just not true. Mm. Um, you can, there's even, um, now Unity has free sample projects that you can, Go into there and implement whole brand new audio. Um, the the Explorer Unity project is free. You can download it and it has all the audio triggers ready to go. So you can just drop in, in your new sounds. I've seen a lot of people do that on their reels. Um, yeah, and that's what I would do. I think that's really great advice, um, really. And I think all the people, even at the tippy top, who have all the gear and all the stuff you could ever imagine would say the same thing. Like, none of that matters if you don't have... Uh, if you haven't put the time in to like learn with your ears and develop taste and and know how to mix properly and just you know basic audio stuff, so I, exactly, uh, and that's and that's what we're looking for. When you get hired, most most places will then be able to provide whatever equipment you need to to do that. Um, so that's not really the issue. the <laughs> The issue is is working on yourself and working on your skills to then be able to get those jobs. Well, thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate you. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. Well, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. This was a joy. I'd love to be back. And uh, yeah, if anyone has any questions, feel free to reach out to me. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I try to reach out to as many people as I can because um, I love seeing what's going on in the industry. There's some fantastic um, work being done, and I, I just continually keep getting inspired by everything that people are doing. And so it's an awesome community. And yeah, I'm glad uh, glad you guys are joining. So thanks for having me. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed recording it. Michael was a really fun guest to talk to. And I just want you to know that I have some super, super cool guests coming up here very soon. Uh, I want to keep it under wraps because it's going to be really fun to talk about those things as they're coming up. But I did want to mention before I let you go that I am putting together a community Halloween playlist. So I reached out to people um, in my network and uh, I'm putting together a really fun video game Halloween playlist from composers that you'll either already have heard from or will be hearing from in the near future. So keep your eye on the channel for that. Again, I just wanted to say thank you to Hawken Davidson. 
It was really awesome of him to lend his tracks to this episode. And the last thing I want to say before I let you go is that I, myself, I am open to work. I'm looking for my first full-time job in the game development industry. Though I am totally open to freelance work, I do composing and sound design, I am really looking for my first full-time game audio gig. So if you know somebody who knows somebody, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can find me at all the social links in the description of the episode. I trust you know how to navigate your way there. And uh, with that, once again, thank you for checking out my show. I so appreciate it and have an amazing rest of your week.